Amen. Amen. With that, I want to go straight into the scripture found in Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage, Bethpage, and Bethany, and at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite of you. As soon as you have entered in, you will find a colt tied, on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing loosening the colt? And they spoke to them, just as Jesus has commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus he threw, they, and threw clothes, their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches, some versions say palm branches from the trees, and they spread them on the road. And then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's start with this. What's going on here? It appears that the people have fallen head over heels in love with Jesus. So what's going on here? It seems like the whole... um, all, the whole crowd, everybody has like fallen in love with Jesus. All of a sudden, like they're, they're head over heels, they're excited, they're screaming. Can you imagine, right? The people, yeah, people, maybe people are infatuated. They're infatuated as if Jesus was some kind of pop star or celebrity. Today's sermon title is Celebrity or Savior. Celebrity or savior. The verse says, many people spread their clothes on the road while others spread branches cut from the fields. Those in front of him were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. It's funny because it's not hard to imagine for those that know what Woodstock is or was. It's not hard to imagine that this is some kind of like Woodstocky scene, you know? Bunch of hippies out there, everybody's shouting and yelling, people taking their jackets off, their shirts off, putting it on the road, cutting branches. The, 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 they're just partying. The people are partying. The streets are overflowing as, as people are streaming into town for the Passover festival. This was a big party. Everybody was excited already, and now Jesus has become the headliner of the event. He's the star of the show. He's on top of the charts, as we say, right? 
He is the coming king, the one who will reign on David's throne. The one that will defeat Israel's enemies. Finally, we're going to be set free from the bondage of the Romans. Finally, our enemies will be defeated. Everything is going to be all right now because the king has come. Imagine the scene. Crowds of adoring fans. Jesus! Oh, my God! Taking the clothes off, throwing it on the floor. Right? <laughs> so, that, so that a donkey could walk over their clothes that's carrying Jesus. Anybody want to take their coat off right now? Throw it on the, not for a donkey. Do you think some of them, do you think some of them ran home? Like they picked up their shirt, they picked up their jackets, their clothes. They're like, I'm never washing this again. <laughs> Jesus on a donkey walked over my jacket. I'm never washing this coat again. There was a New Year's Eve that uh, my family uh, my family spent the New Year's Eve party at uh, Mariano Rivera's house. Uh, some people know him as the Sandman. He's a New York Yankees pitcher. And um, I remember being in his house, and I parked my car in his driveway in a certain way that kind of blocked some other cars from coming in. I was just super, I just wanted to get in and see him. So he says, hey, whose car, he's walking around the house like, hey, whose car is this? I'm like, oh, that's mine, I'll move right now. He's like, that's okay, give me the keys, I'll move it. <laughs> Are you sure I could move it? He moved my car, he came back, I'm like, babe, we're never washing the car again. <laughs> the Sandman drove our car. Kevin, inside the house, was like, I'm never washing this hand. I just shook the, I just shook the Sandman's hand. This hand is never getting washed again. <laughs> I think he finally washed it. This is a big deal. Can you imagine? This is Jesus. It's not Mariano Rivera. It's not a Yankees baseball pitcher, right? He, he's, this is Jesus now. People are going wild. Can you imagine? This is this, imagine the, the, the emotional frenzy that's happening in the street right now. I want you guys to picture it. I want you guys to feel it. You don't go around cutting branches off of trees and waving them for no reason. This was, this was, this was amazing. This was an event. This was a powerful moment. Jesus was on a donkey coming into Jerusalem. The Messiah is here. This guy is going to set us free. This is the king that we've been waiting for. This is the, this is the king that's going to, that's gonna, uh, we're going to become a free nation. We're going to be free people. We're not going to be oppressed anymore. Hosanna. Hosanna. Like Brother Anthony says, God, save us. Save God's people and do it soon. Save us. You know, there's a kind of love um, that we have, the kind of love that we put upon celebrity idols is a uh, superficial kind of love. 
a superficial kind of love. Once, oh man, give me a second. My papers are out of order. I knew something was not right. Let's just hope that that was the one out. If you know, if we want to stick with the celebrity, if we want to stick with the celebrity theme for a moment, we can pretty much sum up what happens rather fast, right? In the 1980s, we had New Kids on the Block, Paula Abdul, George Michaels. In the 90s, we had NSYNC, we had Vanilla Ice. In the thousands, we had Tweet, Blue Cantra. I mean, do you guys know who that is? I don't know. Fans would go crazy. Fans would go crazy. Man. <laughs> Many would cry in their presence. Many would cry in their presence. Um, screaming and yelling to get their attention as people are walking by. You guys see it on TMZ. You guys see it. Oh, my God. Hey, I'm over here. <laughs> and then when they finally get up close to the celebrity, what happens? They faint. <laughs> Who faints because of a person? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm just built different. I'm not going to faint. I mean, I, I was a little intimidated at Mario Rivera's house, but I wasn't going to faint because he talked to me. <laughs> they were famous. They were celebrities. They were desired one day, and then they were gone. Who? What did they do? Come on, look at John Cena. Da -da -da. You can't see me. So I'm like, who? First of all, John Cena, if you guys know what I'm talking about, that's like a man's man, right? Ooh, muscles, big. Then he disappears out of the spotlight for a little bit and reemerges in the Super Bowl wearing a dress on a commercial. Times must be hard. What's up? <laughs> he got his man. He's trying to make a comeback. He's trying to make his comeback. Teenagers, why you guys throw the L word around so easily? Oh, I love him. I love her. You know what? Let me take that back. It's not just you guys. A lot of people throw around that word a little too loosely. Oh, my God. I love little this or little that. Everyone these days wants to be little. I don't know about you. I, I'm sorry. We might have to edit this out. I don't know about you, right? But these days, it's little this, little that. Back in my day, it was big stuff, like big pun, biggie, biggie smalls. Uh, uh, who, who else? Uh, big papa, uh, big daddy Kane. I don't know. We're living in a, what is that? Little Yeezy, little baby, little, I mean, what's all the littles these days? Little dirt? I mean, what's up with this? Everybody wants to be little. You want to be little or you want to be big? <laughs> like, I don't get it. Oh, I'm going to love little baby forever. No, you won't. No, you won't. 
<laughs> On the first Palm Sunday, so long ago, a big crowd of people say, I'm going to love you forever. And then they crucified him at the end of the week. Man, no, not even a full week. I'm going to love you forever. I'm in love with Jesus. We can hardly contain ourselves. Psychologist Robert Johnson writes that romantic love or falling in love is different from truly loving. Real love is steady. Real love is constant. Real love is unconditional. It's not here today and gone tomorrow. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love never gives up. It never loses faith. It all, it's always hopeful and endures every circumstance. There is something a little bit hyped up. I'm not against falling in love, people. I am in love with my beautiful queen. But there's a hype against the falling in love part. You know, the fairy tale that all the young ladies want to live in the falling in love stage for the rest of their lives. And then they get upset that life isn't always falling in love. Falling in love is like an emotional roller coaster. Oh, oh, she's so amazing. Oh, he's so great. It's a lot of excitement. It, it's definitely fun, right? But it's short-lived. And the ride comes to an abrupt halt. Abrupt halt. The kind of love that we heap upon celebrity idols is a superficial kind of love. See, because once the singer or actor begins to age a bit, or once their show is canceled, or we actually grow up, our love fades. It's not real love. And actually, there's not much about it at all that is real. That was one of the problems on Palm Sunday. There wasn't a lack of love for Jesus. There wasn't that, it wasn't that there was a lack of love for Jesus. The problem was that their love for Jesus was superficial. It was a superficial kind of love. It was smoke and mirrors. It was a vapor that was here now and gone by midday, by mid-morning. Within less than a week, their love for Jesus will turn into humiliating him, mocking him, a hatred toward him, and then murdering him. That's crazy. Talk about an unstable crowd. What is our love for Jesus like? Ask yourself, what kind of love do you have for Jesus? Is it real or is it superficial? Does it stick with us even when things don't go our way? Jesus seeks us out of love. And we are often found by him when things aren't well. It's easy to turn to Jesus when things aren't going well. When we're facing a crisis, right, when, when we're at a crossroads, Jesus, help me, and he's there to help us. 
Some of us have relationships that are all one-sided. And yet, and yet we still hold on to relationships like that. I have a relationship like that, that, that a lot of times it's, it's me doing the efforts, me trying to seek, me trying to spend time. And eventually, it's like, I, I, you ask yourself, like, why do we do this to ourselves? And deep down inside, I think there's a desire that one day this person that we care about so much will change and will return all that we've invested into this friendship. Sometimes it can happen and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes we hold on to old friends because it reminds us of old seasons in our lives, childhood moments, right? When things were easier. So we hold on to certain people because they remind us of past, but truly there's no more relationship left. Jesus is there always. When we have come to the point where we realize that the emotional highs of this world, <laughs> has, that the, what, what they have to offer isn't, isn't permanent or they're not real or they're not lasting or they're not worth much, we finally accept that offer of faith in Christ. And then we fall in love. Remember what I said about the falling in love process? Oh, this is so great. This is so amazing. This is what happens. I accept Jesus. Oh, my gosh, this is so great. Being a Christian is amazing. My whole heart. There's so many people in church that I love. And then all of a sudden, you start realizing, wait a minute. Brother Al said what? <laughs> Urban, Urban looked at me a little funny. What? And then you start realizing, wait a minute, people in church are human too. They're regular people. And it comes with regular problems. We think that all our problems are finally solved, but then that couldn't be farther from the truth. Because I want to tell you that grace is free, but it comes to us at a great cost. It costs Jesus Christ, the Son of God, his life. Romans 5.8 says God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We don't have to pay for it. But there's something, this is something we cannot take for granted. Matthew 16.24 says then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross. And follow me. How important is faith in Christ in your life right now? How important is it? Is it the most important aspect of your life? Ask yourself. I'll give you a minute. I'll wait. Think about it. Is my walk with God the most important thing in my life right now? But pastor, you know I have a wife and, but pastor, you know I have a baby that I love so much and, but pastor, you know how hard I work for this career. I've been working my butt off and. Is your walk with God 
the most important thing in your life? It's a yes or no. It's a yes or no. If it's yes, then him as a priority moves up to number one. That means that anything and everything that you do, how you live, how you act, how you speak, it all reflects that Christ is number one in your life. So if you don't know right now if he's number one in your life, just look at your life. What are the things that you're doing? Who are the people that you're speaking with? What are the kind of conversations that you're having? Are you having backroom conversations that are slandering and destroying and trying to destroy the work of what God is doing? Or are you having conversations that people are leaving those conversations edified, empowered, and motivated, and ready to do anything for the kingdom of God? What kind of conversations are you having? What, what, what kind of words are coming out of your mouth? I have times in my life that I didn't treat this precious gift um, with care. There was times in my life that I didn't, I didn't prioritize God. I, I, he was not a priority to me, and, and I wasn't living my life like that. And honestly, I look back at those moments in my life, and they are my worst memories. I look back at them now, and they, they're my worst memories. And I, I, I wish I could go back. And I know I remember being a teenager, sitting in church, hearing people say that. I'm like, ah. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I remember hearing that, like, ah, wish you go back. Oh, whatever. Everybody says that. I mean it. I wish I could go back. I wish there were things I could not take, just stop from doing. I wish there were things I could change. I wish I could have realized what I realized now. I wish I could have realized it then. I wish I could have gave my life completely surrendered to him at an earlier age. I wish I would have stayed faithful. I wish I would have stayed consistent. I wish I would have stayed focused on him and not get distracted by the things of this world. I wish. And at that moment, I may have thought that I was living the dream. And now those dream moments have become my nightmares. Because those are, they're nightmares because those were the moments that I turned my back on my Lord. I don't know if that means anything to you. This is Passion Week, right? We see a little further in the week what he endured for us. And at that moment, I'm thinking, I'm having fun. I'm doing me, YOLO. And I look back now, and I'm like, those were the moments that I turned my back on my Lord and Savior, and he still did this for me. Lord, I wish I could change my past. I wish I could go back. When we, when we turn our backs on the Lord, we can never be satisfied. We can never be satisfied with whatever we're doing. You guys know it. You guys know. Nothing will satisfy you. You look for the next thing and 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 the next thing. And then finally some of us are like, all right, I'll go to God. Why? Why wait? 
The secret is that he satisfies you. Nothing else. So now you don't got to try all that stuff that's not going to satisfy you. When we persevere in our faith through hardships, through illness, through times when it seems like nothing's going our way, when we find that Jesus is right there with us through all of this and nothing can take it. Think about this. Think about this. I can lose my health, right? I can lose my job. I can lose so many things that we don't, we don't, we don't, want, we don't even mention, right? We can lose people in our lives that will stand there and tell you, I love you so much. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be your right-hand person. I'm gonna we, we, we can, listen, people will cap your head up, right? And when they don't get their way, they bounce. But Jesus, you cannot lose him, and he will never bounce. He doesn't leave. He will never leave me nor forsake me. And for that, I can be thankful that even during the times of great difficulty and great pain, that my relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important aspect of my life. Because what happens is when it's the most important aspect of your life, it will dictate how you treat yourself. It will dictate how you treat your wife or husband. It will dictate how you treat your children. It will influence every area of your life when this is priority number one. And that's true freedom. Some people think like, oh, I'm going to be a slave to this. No, that's actually freedom. We are a slave in sin. We are set free. Freedom. Freedom to love, even love our enemies. <laughs> Freedom from self-pity, freedom from experiencing, freedom to experience peace in the midst of the storm that life will bring us. So there's something that sometimes we overlook. I know we mention it, we mention it, we mention it. We mentioned about, we read about the donkey, right? We read about how uh, he sent two disciples to get a colt that had never been ridden. And Jesus rode it into the temp, rode it into the city. A colt that had never been ridden. It was an unbroken colt. Okay. If you guys know anything about farming or animals or like campo or like all that stuff, who likes that stuff? Who, like the, who likes farms and campos and I, I love that stuff, right? All that outdoor stuff, right? If any of you ever decide to try to be like Jesus and sit on an unbroken animal like a horse or a donkey... You will not last seconds on that animal. He will bump you off, kick you off, buckle you off. I mean, instantly. <laughs> yeah, I, I told you I had my rodeo story from Puerto Rico, right? That horse was supposed to have been broken. It was supposed to have been broken. I held on to that thing for good life, for, for like all my life. It was like a rodeo. I'm like, woo, hold on. But I thank God that, like, first of all, my wife was with me, so I'm glad she wasn't on that horse, right? I'm glad that nobody else, I'm just glad. God knew who had to be on that horse that day. I held on. But this is what happens. <laughs> oh, not only, not only is the cult unbroken, but then the unbroken cult is going to walk in the streets while everyone is screaming. 
Come on. What we see here was a miracle. It's not parting the seas. It's not bringing the dead to life. But this is a miracle. What God did, what, what God did was he, <laughs> he, he tamed, he tamed, he, he was able to take this wild and chaotic animal, wild, transform it into something manageable and even peaceful and useful. Jesus is able to take what we see as a lost cause or hopeless situation and turn it into a bright, sunny, gentle day. Instead of being buckled off when he sits on the colt, he rides it peacefully into Jerusalem. Have you ever felt like life was trying to buckle you off? Like you're trying to get yourself situated and you're doing the rodeo somewhere? <laughs> Church, there are times that I still feel that way. John 16, says, have I told you all that so that you may have peace in me? Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. When I go through those moments, this is when I have learned to be intentional. We are all going to go through trials and tribulations. We're all going to go through moments where we feel like, oh, my goodness, right? But then this is where we've learned to be intentional, to take a moment and be like, Lord, you warned me about this. You said this would happen. You said people would do this. You said people would treat me like this. I mean, if they treated you like this. But you also told me to take heart because you have come to, you've come to overcome the world. So in this moment that I feel this way, I'm going to lean in on you and I'm going to trust you. Because you've overcome all of this already. Knowing and remembering what is important in this life. When the, crowd, when the crowds yell out, Hosanna, Hosanna. <laughs> They're saying the right words, but they're missing the point. It's like some people say they got all the right notes, <laughs> but none of the music. They are excited and enthusiastic about Jesus, head over heels about Jesus, but they still will end up rejecting and calling for his death. Knowing the truth is not the same as doing the truth. Knowing the truth is not the same as doing the truth. Saying we love Jesus doesn't actually mean that you truly love him. Because you, anybody can say I love Jesus. Some of you guys may have seen a bumper sticker that's famous. It was famous back in the day. Um, but the bumper sticker says, honk. If you love Jesus, right? Remember that? Wouldn't it be better and more accurate if it says something like, love your neighbor if you love Jesus. Any fool can honk. <laughs> or serve if you love Jesus. 
serve if you love Jesus, anybody can honk. Or humble yourself if you love Jesus. Take up your cross if you love Jesus. Palm Sunday reminds us that Jesus came with a choice. We can stand and get all emotional and wave and treat him like a pop star. And then watch him pass by and eventually move on to the next fad or the next thing. We can follow him. Church, we can stand there with the crowd, yell out his name, get all emotional, get all hype. And when he walks by, move on to the next thing. Or we can stand with him at the cross. Oh, we can stand with him at the cross. It's easy to shout, but it's harder to serve. It's easy to shout, but it's harder to serve. It's harder, but it's much more rewarding. And I know that, you know, I want to take the full blame, the full burden on my shoulders that as a church we don't serve enough. That's, that's, that I'll take it. As a church, we don't serve enough. It's harder to serve. It's harder to serve than to just shout. Anyone can shout. Anyone could, anyone could jump up and down. Anyone could do all. Anyone could just show up for two hours on a Sunday morning. But to serve people that you don't know, people that don't look like you, People that are not in your same social class, people that are not even from your community, people. I mean, it's 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 a lot harder to do that. There's a saying that says everybody wants to go to Rome to see where St. Peter is buried, but no one wants to live like him. Palm Sunday is a great day to think about what it really means to welcome Jesus into our hearts. Listen carefully. Is he a celebrity or a savior in your life? In closing, I want to read verse 11 of our text. Well, in verse 11 of our text that we read this morning, we're told that Jesus, he entered Jerusalem. He went straight to the temple and then goes home. But notice what it says in there. It says he looked around at everything. Look, it says he looked around at all things. Now, when you look up the Greek word um, used there, it doesn't, doesn't suggest that he just did a and walked out. But rather, it translates to a long, careful observation. So imagine this. He rides into Jerusalem on this donkey. He goes straight to the temple. He takes a long look and observes everything that's going on. And then he leaves. And the next day, Jesus comes back. And some of y'all know that he didn't come back just to look. came back kicking the doors in and flipping tables. If we are believers, then the Bible tells me that this is the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 to 17 says, don't you realize 
that if all you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you, God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. This is not only intense and personal. He's letting us know that the God of the universe lives inside of those who will open the door to him. Our, listen, as much as we can understand it, we don't understand it. The God of the universe taking refuge in my body, in me. He comes in and he brings peace. But guess what? He comes in and he also, <laughs> he's also flipped some tables. Some of us have a different coming to Christ experience. We come to Christ and everything's like, oh, peachy. Some of us come to Christ and it seems like the world falls apart. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? You come to Christ, like, I thought, but I thought, why is this so complicated? Why is this so hard? Why is all these things happening to me? I accept the Christ. I'm a Christian now. And what's happening is there are some tables being overturned in your life. Jesus came into your, to your life, and he looked around, and he observed, and he was like, well, if I'm going to live up in here, that's got to go, that's got to go, and that's got to go. And then you don't take it out of the house. So he's like, oh, you ain't going to take it out of the house? I'm going to flip these tables. <laughs> And it's okay. You know, there's a prayer. Some, <laughs> some of us know the things in our life. I was talking to my wife just last night, and, it was, and we were talking about a situation where we hear individuals say, I know what I need to repent from. He, he, he got it right away. I know what I need to repent from. But, oh, Jesus, let our prayers be, God, help me to remove these tables that, that disgust you. These little, these little uh, what do you call those little, uh, when you go to a convention center, those little kiosk sections, is that what it is? Let, let us remove that. But if you are stuck, then I got another prayer for you. It's going to hurt a little bit, but it'll get the job done. And the prayer is, Lord, I need you to kick the tables over in my life. I need you to come in and kick over the tables that I have set up that go against you, that have disgraced you. Kick them over. And it will hurt for a moment, but you'll grow. And the tables will be overturned, no longer being stationed in your life. Church, can you stand with me this morning?
Jesus' entry into Jerusalem among the palm branches should help us fight against our tendency towards superficial love. The question is, is he a celebrity or a savior? Is he your celebrity for today that tomorrow will be forgotten in your life? Or is he your savior? Prayer team, can you make your way up to the front, please? I want you to ask yourself, what is your love for Jesus like? Please, church, I, I, I want to say like I'm begging you. What is, your, what is the love for Jesus in your life like? Are you loving him like a savior? Or is it a superficial love because you keep hearing about how you need to love Jesus? Oh, how I love Jesus. Well, I'm supposed to love Jesus. I'm supposed to say it. You know, I'm technically, I go to church now, so... Yeah, I love Jesus. I mean, we're told, I was told since I was a little kid that I love Jesus. Since I was raised in church all my life, then I guess I love Jesus. Do you? Do you? Or have you just been hearing it all your life? Because I was raised in church all my life. And the way I was living, I was not loving Jesus. until I decided that I was going to love him. Until I decided that his sacrifice on the cross wasn't going to be in vain in my life. Come on. He died for me. He died for you. How can someone die for someone else and then that person not even love them? church think about it Jesus died on the cross for you he got tortured he was mangled his bones were showing for me to turn around and say I need to live my best life without him This week, the next, throughout this whole week and next Sunday, is a tremendous, is of in tremendous importance in our faith. It is the moment that Jesus tells the world that he's the Messiah. the moment that he shares a farewell message with his disciples and we've been studying that in Bible study it's a moment that Jesus was betrayed by a friend it's a moment where Jesus was tortured was beaten was nailed onto a wooden cross It's the week where he was taken off that cross and put in a tomb.
But in this same week, it's also when we celebrate the fact that the that death could not hold him and he resurrected on the third day this is what we believe church and if you believe this and you know that he did this for you how are you responding to what he's done for you how are you living how's your heart Make a decision to put him first and trust him with the rest. Don't live a life saying, I know I need to repent, but I know I need to repent. So right now I get on my knees, Father God, and I turn this over to you. I know I need to repent, so right now, Father, I want you to forgive me. I want to give this to you. I don't want to be the same. I want to be changed right now. Right now, Jesus. Jesus.